Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. It's the Luca Peach. Down the wrong window. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Luke and Pete Show. On Monday the 22nd of May, I'm Pete Donaldson. I'm joined by Mr. Luke Moore. And this week we're sponsored by The Sun. What? Not the newspaper. No. No. They, sh- the, they the, shouldn't the have... celestial body at mm. the centre of this solar system that we call home. Yes. And Mars Milk. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's been ages since you mentioned Mars Milk. You are such a, your energy is so Mars Milk energy, it's unbelievable. It's like if a chocolate bar done a sick in a carton. There's loads loads of boys I knew at school who Mm. were just big Mars Milk kids. Uh, You are definitely one of them. If I could choose to have uh, out of my mum's teat uh, Mars Milk (laughs) coming out, that that is definitely what I would what It would would explain a lot. If I would have the choice, it would certainly explain my teeth. But uh, yeah, I, I, like you just don't see Mars milk anymore. Do they even make it? I don't know. I was never really. I'm not really a chocolate flavored kind of person, so I would never have got stuck in. <laughs> I don't honestly. I like chocolate, person. but I don't really like chocolate flavored things. Right. I mean, it's there's still some chocolate in a Mars milk, isn't there? I mean, there's the. Listen to what I'm saying main... to you. Right. I like chocolate. I don't right. like chocolate flavored things. What's the difference? I mean, chocolate chocolate is a chocolate flavored thing. You absolute melt. With <laughs> this one more time, okay? Right. <laughs> Am I joking? Um, I don't know. I, I never really got into it. Do you know what I used to love? I used to love mm. milkshakes, but I used to love really yeah. Because back in when we were growing up, Peter, there was only really strawberry chocolate banana. That's your lot. That's your lot. And uh, and also you would um, and when McDonald's turned up in my town, it was like. Oh, milkshakes have tiny fragments of of ice in it to make it like really thick. They were really thick, weren't they? The yeah. McDonald's ones back in the day. I, I would yeah. only ever go with strawberry and banana. And I know some people are going to email in now and go, "What about vanilla?" Vanilla came later. Okay, mm. don't step to us on this. You're it obviously was, younger. It was Nesquik on nothing, wasn't it? Back in and, the day, and, those and, big and I, yellow. I, up until quite recently, I used to love a Nesquik. Mm. Yeah, it, I mean, uh, you 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 sort of see um, when you when we go down to um, South End, there's a big um, there's a big ice cream proprietor in in, in South End, and and uh, called Rossi's. I think it was related to the Rossi out of um, Status Quo. I think Francis Rossi, yeah, Francis Rossi, and uh, there's it's like a brand in Essex that everyone talks about being absolute quality, and you have it, and you're like, 
I mean, it's fu- it's just fucking ice cream. I, it's just local brands that people really hang their hat on are always very underwhelming, aren't they? Yeah. So the one near where we grew up was called Mingella's, and it's actually the same family as Anthony Mingella. Right, okay, yeah. Who um, obviously directed The English Patient, some other movies. Mm. Oscar-winning director. And when Portsmouth got promoted to the Premier League, right, <laughs> when they knew they were being promoted to the Premier League in 2003, mm. um, I think they had a final home game of the season. Yeah. Anthony Minghella, Anthony Minghella, right, the very earnest Oscar-winning film director, mm. came down to the local radio station, just did co-commentary on the game. Nice, I it like was, that. It was crazy. But anyway, his, um, his family run the ice cream places down... Uh, near where I grew up. Uh, but speaking of Francis Rossi, by the way, do you know that um, his nickname is Goma, which stands for the Grand Old Man of Rock? <laughs> I mean, really? Hang on, Goma, Grand Old Man, Goma. Well, I guess oh, it's Gamor. 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 Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I is, thought was, was, was the uh, woman that the uh, no. Sopranos went out with on Friday nights, huh? Yeah. Rossi. Rossi. Uh, Rossi died, didn't he? The other one's still alive. One of them's dead. Reverse it, mate. Reverse that opinion. Rossi's still alive. Correct. Right, okay. Because Rossi's the one that did this chord. Hang on. Hang on. I'm going to do it right. Yeah. They both did that. I mean, that's their thing. Yeah, which is the power chord with a little seventh that got... Yeah, it's just basically 12-bar blues, basically. But remember that status... Oh, you won't remember this, because obviously neither of us were around, but status quo's first single was actually like really interestingly psychedelic right yeah i love those bands that kind of change like uh, i don't know genesis fleetwood mac they start as one thing Pink and then Floyd they sort of move on yeah i'd have that um they started as a rap trio <laughs> yeah pink floyd were famously um a, uh, a jazz rap. rap hybrid trio yeah yeah did the record uh, three feet high and rising <laughs> which we um, all like i've uh, back back i talked about back in the day times i've started the day by um uh, there's, there's a guy on uh, Twitter that uh, I quite like called Pablo, his vault of horrors. He finds like old 80s TV shows in the UK that are just absolutely rank. Um, and, he, <laughs> and, and there's, a, there's a clip from Geordie Racer. Do you remember Geordie Racer in the 80s? I mean, very... So I do remember it by name, but I don't yeah. believe I ever partook. It was a pre uh, kind of Biker Grove TV show. And where... TV was quite regional back then, wasn't it? So we might not have even got was. it down where I was. Well, I think that's where you got like your funding from. But I think Geordie Racer made because uh, it was kind of part of the BBC Two oh, kind I of educational thread. I, I think it was part of the BBC. I think oh, it might have been Tiny's. Um, it was part of. I'm fairly certain it was still part of the BBC's. Um, oh no, it was BBC Two. Educational, I just looked, yeah. educational thread, and it was about a uh, a pigeon uh, racing family or something. And 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 I think there was some kind of people listening uh, to this who are younger athletics, are not going to fucking believe. No, it. athletics capacity to it as well. Uh, but it was all very kind of like safe and nice and stuff like that. But there was a lovely clip of uh, of of Spuggy, not the same Spuggy that was in Biker Grove. Again, very regional, very uh, Britain. Um, uh, they got. He says, uh, "Spuggy finds himself a stotty, um, and, and cuts it up to relax. And it's just like having a big bit of bread to relax. Just, <laughs> and Spuggy means sparrow, relax. right? And stotty mm. means like stotty mean big bit of bread. Big bit of bread. Just having a big, just having a big bun." <laughs> a big bun to calm yourself down. It's, it's just like wonderful. It's like that. Um, it's like that meme that went viral recently of a uh, of a guy saying that he was angry or something, texting his mum that he's angry, and she replies saying, "Go and sit outside and have a banana." 
<laughs> it's good advice, I think. It's good I, advice. I think it is great advice, but it's not a thing, is it? It's that. It's that. It's that um, one that I sent you where it's uh, where it's uh, somebody going. I'm having an I'm having an anxiety attack, Dad. Can you can you ring me? And he just replies with no, and then <laughs> yeah. a picture of a four by four at a dealership going. I'm going to lowball this guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to lowball this guy, lol. <laughs> Great dad behaviour. Great dad behaviour. But um, but uh, yeah, I think I think sometimes you need that. I think you're sometimes like, fuck you, I'm going to lowball a guy at a dealership. Yeah, so, you kind of so, need so, someone going, yeah, I think there's so, something else going on in the world. You don't have to intellectualise or <laughs> no. high-mind everything. Yeah. You know, some, if you have, like, I, I do think it's a serious just point. fuck off. Yeah, which just is like, if, if you're having off, a shitty day, it might sometimes just be a shitty day. Yeah. And maybe yeah. you do need to go fishing with your dad. <laughs> you know, and he, and he might not want you there. Yeah. Um. I, um. The, what I liked about the um uh, compendium of of Geordie Racer uh, videos that Pablo found, um, the, f- literally the first scene. Right, they're going to a radio station. They're meeting a radio DJ. You Google that radio DJ. He's a convicted <laughs> sex offender for taking pictures of children. Well, like, he's a ra- he, television. He's a, he's a radio the DJ they're... from the eighties, Pete. So <laughs> I, we'll take that as red. He, he wasn't even playing. He wasn't even playing the same character as his name. You know, he wasn't playing himself. He was playing another character that had a different name. That's how they get you. That is how they get you. That's how Definitely. they get you. A um, you know, Speaking of these kind of children's TV shows, <clears throat> um, isn't it crazy how much of a cultural impact they've had? Because Geordie Racer, for example, because I wouldn't have watched it. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen it, but I know what it is. It's part of. Um, the cultural landscape of people of our generation. And when you were just talking about that, I looked it up on Wikipedia. Um, it only ran for two months in 1988. That's amazing. Like Because they, they've re-repeated shows so much, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and, 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 and then um, Ulysses 31, which is the one I always remember, mm. um, which is kind of this weird... Less educational. <laughs> French-Japanese kind of... Well, you say that, but it's based on like the... the yeah. You know, the Odyssey of Homer and stuff like that, I think. Yeah, when they all went to space space. and floated around in space. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. (laughs) That only ran for five months in 1981, 1982. Yeah. I think about it all the time. I bet it was... Because it had a kick-ass soundtrack. I bet it just had... I bet it just because it had um, 50 episodes or something. I bet they just absolutely bashed that out. out, It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, because if we got like a a really legit kind of anime from like the the eighties um, that the Japanese made, like we we just got these kind of weird kind of French Korean um, Japanese sort of you know dog Tanyany jobs that were kind of like it was always like in yeah it, well, it was obviously dubbed but 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 like really poorly done um, you know a canal plus joint with the yeah <laughs> like whoever was releasing it in in, in a, with Granada Television it's all um, just a Big mess. When I was a kid, um, and Dog Tanya and the Three Musker Hounds would come on mm. TV. Yeah, my mum says that she um, she used to have to time it so that she. I, I used to love watching it as a kid. It was one of my mm. favourite shows as a toddler. Uh, but she used to have to time it um, to bring me into the room with the TV on as the show started and miss the opening scenes, the opening right. credits, and the opening montage because I always, it always used to make me cry. Oh, what, because it, I think it... I think Dog Tanya leaves his family or something. <laughs> at the start oh, that's it's very really sweet yeah but the muskahounds are always ready it, they we are. can go back they we are. can go back um, speaking of that entertainment really in the 80s because when I said all these cultural impact of these shows that don't really you know, didn't really stick around for too long mm. part of it is surely because there was nothing else to do right 
Yeah. So there's and, a, and, it was a and scarcity of like product, basically. There's a scarcity of product, and, and if you're a TV controller, you would take any old shit and put it on and go, we just need fucking content. Imagine how much content... There's four channels these, now. These fucking four. Give me content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. put any old nonsense on and, so when, and repeat it. One of the things that's going to sort of slightly relate to this, and I was talking to you about this the other day on WhatsApp, is the, mm. the video game um, from 1988 called Exile, right? I know yes, you weren't yeah. that aware of it. Or were you aware of it or you hadn't played I was it? Aware, I was aware of people uh, having a distinct like love for it, I think, back in the day, yeah. So it was a massively um, important game in my childhood. And um, mm. the reason I <clears throat> came to revisit it, and I'll tell you a bit about it in a minute, but the reason I came to revisit it is because my uncle, who was really into um, video gaming and, and was one mm. of the kind of that generation of guys who used to be around video games when they first came up. So it was mm. kind of a contemporary in a way, although he didn't make a real big contribution in terms of the development of games, but he was a contemporary in terms of the correspondence and the um, yeah, the scene mm. um, that some of these guys who were developing these kind of quite mind-blowing, futuristic and ahead-of-their-time video games. Mm. And he introduced me to Exile when I was like seven or eight years old. Um, and it... I, I recently found, uh, because he, cause sadly my uncle passed away uh, last year, late last year, and I was going through all this stuff and, and I found um, some, some stuff which gave me some memories of, of this game, Exile, which was an incredible game. And there's a playthrough of it on YouTube, which is about three and a half hours long in total. I've been watching, almost four hours long in total, which I've been watching in phases. But when I told you about it, um, you were like pretty impressed with what, it was possible to do with the amount of memory and everything they had, right? Because essentially it's this massive world's exploring game. Mm. And the scene is like a guy goes to a a distant planet to find a a crew that have been lost and they're trying to develop a new planet and all the rest of it. But it's absolutely gigantic. And it it featured like these way ahead of its time stuff, like realistic gravity, um, all sorts of, like 15 years before a proper gravity engine was made or whatever. It's got like, Inertia, it's got like physics engines style stuff, it's got AI, it's got stealth based mm. like gameplay, it's got like memory where you leave something somewhere and they're still there before, it's got com- characters that behave autonomously and do different things and respond in different ways. And it was a game which we used to play all the time. But because I was seven or eight, and because we had no help from anyone, right, <laughs> and it was a game that was so complicated and so problem solving and so long that um, if you completed it, you you sent a letter to the developers and they, they did you a certificate and sent it back saying, well done, because <laughs> hardly anyone could complete it. I only ever really got to like the first two or three chambers of the cave system on the planet which the game takes place. So watching this YouTube run-through of it by a guy who's obviously brilliant at it and can complete the whole thing mm. is incredible to me to watch even now. Um, it's just it's just an amazing, amazing game. Like way, way ahead of its time. And I think um, you know you know the video game magazine Edge. Yeah, is that is that seen as being like quite a well respected magazine? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. it's I mean, there's very few magazines around. Uh, yeah, these days. So it um it gave um when it when the Edge, when the Edge when the Edge magazine launched, Exile was one of just three games that were awarded a ten out of ten perfect game score. And it's seen as like an all-time classic, really, and the, and the platform and the basis for loads of games that came since. So if you're listening to this and you like video games and you don't know about Exile, it's definitely worth checking out. It's a really interesting um, mm. 
um, game. Did you have a chance to check it out, Pete? I, I did. I, I mean, I, th- I think um, furthermore on that, I think I, I think looking at it, uh, I mean, twofold. Uh, um, graphically, I mean, it was doing stuff that really wasn't being done uh, at that time. Uh, and, and to be honest, a lot of the consoles weren't doing that as well. Scrolling was a big issue for a lot of um, yeah, you can scroll systems it, yeah. and stuff. And, uh, you know, there's physics, there's wind, there's stuff like that. Like, it's absolutely insane, the, like, the particle systems and stuff. It's incredible. But, like, there's a real... There was a thing... There was a, I can't remember who actually set it up, but somebody sort of basically went round all these sort of major thinkers in, in world video game kind of, like, crit criticism um uh, this week and basically try to compile uh, a proper from the best of the best of the highly regarded um thinkers on on the on the actual uh, discipline um the, the best of the best games the 100 top 100 the definitive kind of top 100 not based on you know publisher numbers not placed on uh, sales figures not based on you know metacritic scores just the favorite games the top 100 games of 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 um, the, the the critical uh, thing is in the space and um, because of all of the money being pumped into this space in America um, the stuff like the C64 and the home computer markets in the UK and the master system as well which was obviously the the, the big hitter in in the U in, in the UK and Europe over the, um, the, the whatever Nintendo had to offer the NES um, they it sort of skews massively into those spaces, your Mario's and your and your, right, yeah, and those kind of characters, your Metroids and stuff. And nobody talks about these games because the UK and Europe was such a um, regarded as being a smaller market. I was just you know more nascent than, than than what was happening in the US and stuff. And so these characters like Mario uh, and, and and Metroid and, and and you know Donkey Kong and all these ones that were really really popular. Um, you know, pe- people kind of like people don't talk about games like Exile. People don't talk about games like Elite in the same way yeah. that they Elite talk about one, video like, games yeah. like Star Fox <clears throat> and stuff like that. They don't talk about them in the same way because they were seen as being. It's like the way we regard sort of games like I spoke about on on um, on the Foot Rambler. Um, we were trying to figure out what video games that Erling Haaland was playing because yeah. um, he said he's played a video game, but he doesn't want to tell anyone what it is because it's too embarrassing. And I thought it might be like. Um, power wash simulator power wash simulator or or like PC build simulator or like the ones where you take apart cars and put them back together or train sims and stuff like that these kind of like Eastern European sort of German kind of experiences that are like so beautifully put together uh, by a devoted um, group of enthusiasts they're like um, like meditation aids really aren't they so again, they're like L- meditation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just put taking something apart, putting it back together, making sure it works. I mean, it's just, like having playing on a PC, a PC building simulator, is a hilarious <laughs> bit. Of, like if you're it's really late stage a, capitalism, that it is. Really, it's well, is it? Yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is. But it's but it's you know it's 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 very it's it, it's very odd. Well, I would like to, I would like to, to um, I'd like to fly the flag for Exile just chiefly because when I was a kid it was incredible mm. and I know this makes me sound really old but talking about those perfectly put together games around now that you're talking about Pete which I also enjoy I mean I play video games a fair amount um now um well one video game in particular as you know um but back then like it was necessary for your imagination to have to do quite a lot of the work yeah. Which I'm quite pleased yeah. about. Like mm-hmm. looking back on it, I'm quite pleased about it because obviously when you when you watch it on the YouTube ro- playthrough now, it's completely, um, you know, primitive. Mm. But I just think it was an amazing game. It was absolutely massive. It was non-linear. It had this massive world to explore, 
And I just think for 1988 on the BBC Micro, which is the computer we we had at home, which has got what 64k probably. Is that what it had? Probably, I don't think it had, even had that to be honest. Man. Right. Um, it had um, artificial intelligence. Um, for example, creatures demonstrating awareness of nearby noises, line of sight vision, and memory of where players were last seen. It had a, phys- <laughs> it had a physics model with gravity, inertia, mass, explosions, shockwaves, water, earth, wind, and fire, and mm. it accurately simulated all three of Newton's laws of motion. Mm. Um, which, which I think, just think is incredible for that time. I mean, we're talking about so it's thirty-five years old. And the whole, I think the whole game was under 64 kilobytes as well. So it's like it it would fit in a, a mobile phone 50 million yeah, you, times. you worked out that it, it would fit on one of our SD cards in our studio 2.2 million times. Yeah, <laughs> it's good stuff, isn't it? Imagine it's how great. big that... You'd never finish that one if it was that big. No, exactly. So if, if, you, if you have got any memory of playing Exile back in the day, I love the idea of people around... Uh, playing it when I was playing it as a kid, and, and uh, or you've got any thoughts or you want to check it out, we'll put the YouTube playthrough on the um, on the social media so you can check it out if you've ever seen it before. Mm. But do get in touch if you are a fan of it. Um, hello at lukeandpeach.com. I'd love to hear hear about it because uh, it reminds me of childhood memories of growing up uh, with my uncle and, and all that kind of good stuff. So it'll be interesting to hear about hear about it. Um, Pete, should we have mm. a quick break? And then when we come back, we should do um, some emails, right? Because apparently we've got Rory keeps telling us we've got loads and we've got to get through some of them. All right, then. is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June too is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And we're back. It's the Luca Peach Show, and we got some emails to get through because we have been 
a bit slack with your emails. Mm. A bit slack with your emails. Is one of them from Danny Wallace about his drone? I don't think so. No, I, I, I don't think, Doesn't I don't care. think so. Because Danny's got better things to do, bigger and better things to do. Right? <laughs> Over that, or he's just cut you out of his life after your disgraceful treatment of his possession. Well, you know. <laughs> um, should we do this email from um, Dan about um, Prime, the drink? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I'll do the first one, then you can do the next one. Okay. Um, this is from Dan. He says, Dear Pete and Luke, uh, this is a long one, but give it a chance. I promise you, this is all true. I'm fully on board with Pete's mission to eradicate prime energy drink from our children's lives. His <laughs> tactic is genius, and I can confirm a win, albeit in unfortunate circumstances, which I'll get into. Um, so, obviously, for those of you who don't remember, Pete's mission is to make prime uncool by just getting people like he and I to drink it. And we've had Noah, our friend um, and listener, send um, bottles of prime to us so we can drink it and make it look uncool. And we, we challenged all um, older men and women of middle age, like we kind of are, to do so to make it uncool. And hopefully, maybe, Pete, even um, even Torpedo, that Arsenal sponsor. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, let, let, let's take it away from them. So Dan says, my 13-year-old son was obsessed, as obsessed with Prime as the entire nation of children are. He and his friends would run surveillance shifts on the local spa waiting for a new delivery. When said <laughs> delivery arrived, the nominated scout would send an alert to all available children to swarm the shop like a zombie horde. The staff kept the drinks behind the counter and only allowed two per zombie, uh, owing their lives to the still-standing COVID barriers. Um, my son was collecting the empty bottles in his bedroom like a glorified recycling centre. <laughs> he kept telling me there will be worth something one day. But much, <laughs> like, <laughs> much like Pete, I decided enough was enough. Um, this weekend, I happened upon a new delivery of Prime drinks by accident while shopping, and I bought one for myself. It was a white moon-flavoured bottle. I'm yet to hear confirmation that it tastes like the moon. Um, but anyway... I promptly went home, emptied the entire contents down the sink <laughs> and replaced it with whiskey, ginger ale and lime. <laughs> I was determined to use this as my drinking vessel for the day in front of my son. This is what, this is what you do, Pete. Your, your, act, your words have real life consequences. Mm. Um, shortly after refilling it, I happened upon my son who was awe-stricken. He informed me that I'd apparently, ca- apparently captured the Mew 2 version of the Prime drink. He told me that he and his friends knew it existed in mythology, but had never seen that flavour before. I told him, that's a shame. Me and my mates drink them at work all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Following this, my partner reminded me she wanted some pictures hung in the bathroom. So I went to the shed to get the equipment I needed, and then mm. ended up just fucking around with other stuff in the shed for maybe an hour. <laughs> Pete Dawson energy, that yeah, is. Um, exactly. Just taking things apart and whatnot. Um I finally come back inside for some refreshment in the form of my Whiskey Moon Prime drink. Guess what? The empty bottle was now proudly displayed on the shelf of my son's recycling centre, and he was feeling a bit peculiar. Oh, dear. I thought about this for a while and decided my best course of action was to tell him and my partner that he clearly has caffeine poisoning. <laughs> she has now said Prime is banned in the house. Uh, because of how it has affected his health, he was terrified, but I assured him it would pass in the day. He has now told all of his friends and their parents, in consequence, there is no longer a delivery scout mission at the local spa, and they seem to struggle to shift their prime bottles. Please don't let my partner know. Sincerely, Dan. I mean, we can't, out of all of the things we will endorse and will not endorse, we cannot endorse this, Luke. I know, I do endorse children drinking. Right, okay, that's yeah, absolutely fine. Yeah. Things, I mean yeah. I mean I would say that like out of all of the um sort of alcohol drinks that a child could drink, I mean that 
sounds about as nice as it gets, really. You know, it's nice and sweet. You weren't saying that on the last record. With <laughs> <laughs> your big hangover. I've, I've only just recovered. But yeah, I, I, I mean, wow, Dan. Um, uh, good? <laughs> but do, but Maybe. the thing is, 13, so I remember, so I'm not endorsing that, obviously, that was a joke, mm. but I mean, our, our American cousins will, I think, generally find it a little bit more shocking how early pe- kids get drunk in the UK. Right. Yeah. Okay. And and yeah. there is a, a probably a, I don't know if there still is because I don't read the Daily Mail, but there's there used to be apparently a bit of a problem with it. But I remember being I think fourteen and being at my right. friend's parents' um, New Year's Eve party, and there was loads of people there, like fifty, sixty people there. Yeah. And so it's quite easy to sneak around, and we were drinking those little stubby beers that used to get on booze cruises back from France. Yeah. And I didn't uh, yeah. really like it very much, and it made me feel horrible. But yeah. I, I can't have been much older than that. And at least I, I knew what I was doing. I, yeah, I think I was 14 when I was drinking Stubbies. So it's like, yeah. that's mad, isn't it? Because like 13, too young. 14, get him down, yeah. It's so, <laughs> it's so amateur, isn't it's it? Like, I, I do remember thinking that, because um, it's quite, it's not it's not that strict at places like university campuses and all the rest of it. And obviously students will always be students. But in the US, I remember speaking to um, to some people, some of my wife's friends. And talking about how you know they they didn't really start drinking until they were twenty one. Yeah. And I remember saying that we were fucking bored of alcohol by twenty one. <laughs> I like, know we'd yeah, done uni by then. It's we almost kind of it. like more, like if you're going to continue it with your life, like you, you're gonna you, you are going to continue it anyway. But like by twenty one, yeah, I'd done everything. <laughs> I yeah, everything. So so uh, I, I also yeah. remember being at um, a New Year's Eve party the following year. So I would have been I don't know maybe I think just fifteen. Mm. And I was at a big um, place called Headcar. And if you're from Gosport, where I grew up, you'll know what that is. It stands for um, the Hardway Elston District Community Association, right? Right. Um, I literally, the place, the, the place near where I grew up is actually called Hardway. <laughs> so <laughs> right. you can say you grew up the hard way. Anyway, um, and people would descend upon that for a New Year's Eve party. And there'd be like a DJ and a band and all the rest of it. And we went, mm. there, with my fa- I went there with my family. And one of my dad's friends, who the amazingly named Terry Tappenden, Terry Tappenden. Um, yeah. Nice. Like you that. can imagine, it was like, the person you were imagining in the mid-90s to be a dad called Terry Tappenden is exactly <laughs> correct what you're imagining For right some now. reason, I've got Lionel Blair in my head. Carry on. <laughs> okay, you're wrong. Right. Uh, anyway, he, he just went to the bar, and again, there's mm. loads of people there, so you can get lost in the mix. And he, he got his round in for everyone. He just got me a pint of lager. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not sure about this. Obviously, <laughs> I'm not I, sure about this. Obviously, I drank it. And... Uh, I didn't, again, I didn't really like it, but my point is, you, you kind of this is the age where you're starting to to get a feel for it. And I yeah. reckon, looking back on it, when I would go in the park uh, with Alco Pops with my friends, mm. I wasn't much older than that. And I reckon yeah. my parents probably knew what I was doing. Okay, so so basically, for Dan, it's fine that he gave his kids no uh, prime prime tinged ginger ale. And I'm not whiskey. saying it's fine, and I'm not saying it should be whiskey. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you've just admitted you were drinking stubbies that your old man got. When you were thirteen or fourteen, right? It's someone else's old man got. Oh right, okay, yeah. It's not enough not enough alcohol in a stubby for my dad for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> let's not, not take it there. that dark. There's no yeah, need to. Exactly. Uh, all right, let's do another email. All right. Uh to the show we got one from Paul. Hi Luke, hi Pete. My last email was long, so I'm gonna keep this one short. When I was in year ten, we went on a school exchange trip to Germany. On our way through Frankfurt Airport, my bag triggered the metal detector we had passed through, so the staff member asked if she could check it. 
I, knowing there was nothing untoward in there, agreed. She opened my bag and it became immediately apparent that my friends had lined the entire bag with extremely explicit, not to mention highly imaginative German pornography, (laughs) which was unveiled to everyone, including my teachers. Needless to say, nobody believed in my innocence and the rest of the journey home was, to put it mildly, fucking mortifying. Love the show, (laughs) Paul. Now, I don't think I could handle that embarrassment at 42. And so doing that in year 10, what's that, 14, is like, how do you get yeah. through that, really? I, I mean, 15, I, yeah. I would I would take that very, I wouldn't take that well, I don't think, Lukey Moore. I no. don't think I have a good time with that situation. <laughs> no, I, I, did you ever do it? Like did you ever do an overseas trip at school? We did Belgium, I think, on a coach. God, that took a long time. Yeah, well, the Battlefields God. trip that everyone did. Oh, I don't know, we went to Bruges. We played football at Club Bruges ground for some reason. That's fucking great. Yeah, really good. I, yeah, I wasn't even, why were they even always on coaches? Then. I didn't like, appreciate it. They were always on coaches, weren't they? Yeah, and, and I remember like the, the... I mean, and the coach drivers would absolutely barrel it down and he'd be drinking half the time. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like... I remember he lost a blooming... He lost a, a, a wing mirror at one point. I remember that. Well, <laughs> the thing is, I, I think I can trump that because we went... Um, to a place in Switzerland called Interlaken mm. on the coach. Interlaken right. about. Yeah. And that is an absolute mission. That's like a 13-hour drive. Yeah, try living in the north. <laughs> you oh, got yeah. an extra couple of hours. You've got so you extra, extra three or four, four hours, hours on there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but Switzerland's awful. much further than Belgium, is my point. Yeah, fair. And, and, and I remember just being packed onto a coach. But it was, weirdly, it was a double-decker coach. Oh, right. And, and, okay. all, and all the teachers were upstairs having right, the absolute okay, yeah. run of the place. And we were all packed in downstairs. And uh, I have no idea. I mean, I guess it's obviously to keep the cost down and all the rest of it. But it was it was kind of brutal doing that coach journey. I'd, if I was a teacher, I'd be, I'm not doing it. I'm not Yeah, why on earth would you ever want to do that? I'm not doing it. And, you must and have to do it. And, and some uh, like parents would be drafted in. Uh, to kind of like get yeah. the kids on the cut, and it was always certainly for us, and maybe it had something to do with being in the north. Like it was always, we'd start off at like two in the fucking morning. Yeah. So the first few hours would just be snoozing and just oh god, the worst. Yeah. I don't remember any educational aspect in my trip to Switzerland either. No, I don't. No, I remember kids buying flick knives and <laughs> sh- shurikens. Uh, I remember Mister um, Braithwaite getting a bit pissed. Um, I remember someone smashing a light. I remember people drinking beers and, and, and then hiding the fact they drank beers and me and a lad called Jonathan not drinking any beers and thinking that we're going to get in trouble um, for, for, for being in the general proximity of these boozards. You weren't, and you weren't a naughty boy then, were you? I was a naughty boy then, no. Good boy. Because you're asthma. Because <laughs> of my asthma. I can't drink. It's my asthma. I can't run away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, I went, when I went to Belgium with the school, um, I remember... One of the nights. I mean, that was an educational one because we went to the battlefields around Ypres and all that kind of stuff, right. which I'd like to revisit in my as, as, in my nerdy adult form. Um, and uh, there was a karaoke night one night for all the kids mm. and the teachers, and um, me and four boys ended up doing the Spice Girls uh, song. Nice. Okay. Cool. And then and then all the teachers were doing different karaoke things. And looking back on it, they were like pissed, but we were <laughs> secretly pissed, but shouldn't have been pissed. So yeah. we had to pretend we were sober, even though they were pissed. And they wouldn't have noticed anyway. They wouldn't have given yeah. a shit, probably. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. true. I, I remember sort of like, Belgium was very much, you walked into uh, Le Joke Shop, 
and uh, <laughs> you see just a, a magazine where, um, uh, like, you know, those humorous, like cartoonists in Europe were disgusting in the 80s, weren't oh, they? Yeah. Absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Just fucking Tintin was fucking snowy, and I was going, oh, this isn't, this yeah. isn't uh, mandated by... It's not licensed. Hergé, or is it? unlicensed. This is an unlicensed fucking... Hergé's estate has not signed off yeah. on Tintin <laughs> giving a blowjob yeah. to the, the bad guy whose name I can't remember. What? Yeah, What? what's Orbelix doing? Yeah. <laughs> and what also, can Orbelix I make a, a slightly perhaps controversial point and maybe a point to end the show with today? Mm. If I was taking a bunch of kids to any European country, it would not be fucking Belgium. <laughs> what do you mean? Why? I'll tell you afterwards. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday for more of this. We'll do your batteries. We'll do some more of your emails as well. Thank you very much for listening. Hello at LukeandPeacher.com is the email address. Do get in touch. We do love hearing from you. Also, tell your friends about the show. If you've enjoyed it and leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Don't just think of this bit as being the outro to the show and I can turn no. off now. Please do do that stuff for us because it really does help. Um, uh, have a lovely next few days and we'll see you later in the week. Uh, say goodbye, Peter. Bon voyage. And it's goodbye from me as well. Pete Show is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.